Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Many years ago, I went to see a film called Still Crazy. It was about a semi-successful 70s band trying to make a comeback and within weeks remembering why they broke up in the first place. If you were in a band in the 70s, as I was, every moment rang true. But when I was asked if it was any good, I had to confess I didn't know. I was having such a good time, I forgot to notice. They were called Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit. Been fruits a long time. So which fruit's which then? Well, I'm posh fruit. And they were one of the greatest bands of the 70s. You all hated each other in the end. Oh, it's a bit heavy. The mad drummer, the narcissistic lead singer, the jealous bass player, bitterly resentful that the fans never notice him, the bullying road manager. Who didn't know all these types intimately? Well, of course, the answer is everyone, certainly everyone who hadn't been in a band like Strange Fruit. Hollywood Bowl. That was a great gig. We never played the Hollywood Bowl. That's one of my most vivid memories. It's easy to assume that the whole world shares your particular obsession when you're making a movie, which is why there have been so many movies about making a movie. It also explains why most of them aren't particularly successful. Audiences are generally not that interested in what goes on behind the scenes. You don't like sex with girls? No, I love sex with girls. Wearing their clothes makes me feel closer to them. How can you act so casual when you're dressed like that? All right, everybody, let's finish this picture. The fact is, you're not making movies for people who share your interests. You're making movies for people who can be persuaded that your interests aren't totally lame. Otherwise, as that annoyingly dismissive phrase goes, I'm afraid you had to be there. What is that? I don't really know. You don't know, and you're eating it. You know, if you can sort of muscle your way past the gag reflex, all kinds of food possibilities open up. This is what I'm talking about. For instance, the best food movies, Ratatouille, The Big Night, Babette's Feast and the rest, are seemingly about everything but food. They're about passion and decency, family and the triumph of the underdog, all that good stuff. Unlike this week's The Menu, which is mostly about food. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. We gel. We gel. The menu seems to think we'll be surprised that people who spend a fortune at Michelin-star restaurants are often a wee bit pretentious. Over the way, an Australian film called Poker Face is about five old mates playing cards for eye-wateringly big stakes. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm your dealer for tonight. Texas Holder, winner takes all. 25 million on the table. Now, I believe star, writer and director Russell Crowe doesn't gamble himself. Can he get us to care about people who do? 
In fact, the film that does win over audiences this week is one whose subject matter they're least likely to identify with. It's called Bones and All. You look like the kind that's convinced himself he's got this under his thumb. But you pull on one little thread and... It's a combination horror film, teen movie and doomed romance. And no one was more surprised than I was when I fell under its spell. But first, you're invited to the taste experience of a lifetime. The menu. Is that going to fit everyone? Yeah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? 12.50 a head, that's how. What are we eating, a Rolex? The menu reminded me of a recent Cannes Film Festival winner called The Square. That was about the art world and how easy it is to be persuaded by so-called experts. The Emperor's New Clothes Syndrome, in other words. Well, the menu is similarly aimed at the top tier of food lovers. Good evening. Welcome to Hawthorne. It'll be our pleasure to feed you. Tonight will be magical. An exclusive group of foodies are invited to the remote restaurant of world-famous Chef Slowick, played by Rafe Fiennes. The cost of admission is a small fortune, and nobody's more excited than culinary geek Tyler, played by Nicholas Holt. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. The other guests are the types you'd expect to see at a place like Hawthorne, the notoriously harsh food critic, the jaded old rich couple, the Silicon Valley yuppies, and the out-to-impress Hollywood star. Or at least they're the types you'd expect if you were a regular consumer of celebrity chef TV shows and magazines. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, protein... And at times, entire ecosystems. We're eating the ocean. We're eating the ocean. When Chef Slowick steps out with a deafening clap, he's clearly very aware of his place in the food universe. He's the king. Everyone else is either a servant, yes, chef, or worse, a guest. Slowick uses that word almost as a term of abuse. What happens inside this room is meaningless compared to what happens outside. We are but a frightened nanosecond. Nature is timeless. But the guests lap it up. The more the chef insults them, the more it shows how superior he is and therefore how superior they are for choosing and paying to come to this exclusive place. They can't wait to savour today's menu. Are you crying? (laughs) It's just I find it all very moving. So it's okay that I'm... Not as into this as you are. Oh my god. The one guest who's less than impressed is Tyler's date for the evening. Margot is played by Anya Taylor Joy, who finally won me over in the menu after several okay performances in mostly okay movies. She's wonderful here as essentially the kid pointing out the Emperor's shortage of clothes. You shouldn't be here tonight. You, my dear guests, are not the common man. Isn't that right? Yes, sir! So you're going to keep doing that? 
It seems Margot wasn't Tyler's first choice. His actual date bailed, so Margot was very much a last-minute substitute and has clearly no respect for the protocols of a place like this. She's certainly unfamiliar with perfectly common gourmet expressions like mouthfeel. It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavour to make your evening as pleasant as possible. She also seems to be the only one who thinks it's a little sinister that the boat that dropped them off has now departed. There's no escape, in other words, until they reach the end of the menu. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get these? It's not good. This entire evening. Jesus Christ. This is just theatre. It's stagecraft. We're leaving now. Has been painstakingly planned. And it's a long menu in which each course has been planned to dazzle. The dishes, incidentally, were all prepared for the film by a genuine three Michelin star chef, though they look more like works of art than an actual meal. The guests gush, of course, all but Margot, who's getting a little peckish now. Who are you? I am Margot. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us. Or with them. And it's clear that Chef Slowick is increasingly irritated by Margot. She shouldn't be here, he says. The menu is clearly a satire on the sort of people with more money than taste. Though you'd think it's Target, restaurants whose minuscule portions seem to be concocted in a laboratory, is a pretty obvious one. What the hell is going on? I love you all. We love you too, Chef. Any questions? Is this bergamot I'm getting, Chef? Yes, it is. However, two standout performances justify the price of admission. Ray Fiennes brings unexpected flavours to the role of the master chef, losing his taste for the game. And Anya Taylor-Joy, usually a rather exotic ingredient in a cinematic dish, here gives the menu some much-needed gristle. This is what you're paying for. Get out of my way. All part of the menu. The original director for the menu was going to be Alexander Payne, who'd done a similar job with wine in the film Sideways. His replacement, TV director Mark Mylod of Succession fame, certainly does a good job turning the spotlight on the soulless rich. But like the courses of the menu, while the film's great to look at, it's ultimately a little unsatisfying. Happy birthday to you. You told him it was my birthday? Seemed funny about three hours ago. Poker Face is Russell Crowe's second film as a director, and like the water diviner, he stars in this one too. He also wrote the final script, though the writing credit for original script and story goes to one Stephen M. Coates. I know, me neither. The plan has changed. No, no, it can't go ahead tonight, do you hear me? He'll be there. Tonight is all very elaborate, Jake. Raise two million. Olive. Apparently, Crow took the story and fixed it up, to which... All I can say is it must have been pretty bad to start with. Let me elucidate. First, let Russell Crowe introduce his character. I'm Jake Foley. I'm 57. And I'm a gambler. Life's just a game, right? It's 
all in how you read and respond to your opponents. Jake Foley is being self-deprecatingly modest here. In fact, he's one of the world's great gamblers who's managed to turn this skill into a multi-billion dollar business. But has all that money brought him happiness? Well, yes it has, but he'd like to share it with his four old buddies. Who are these guys? The guys I grew up with. I'm giving them a couple of big experiences. Cheers, let's. It's poking off. <laughs> I just thought we'd have a bit of fun and up the stakes tonight. We meet the gang when they used to hang out by the old swimming hole and then later when they turn into, respectively, Paul the politician, Alex the best-selling novelist and Mikey the screw-up, played by Liam Hemsworth. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that's only three old buddies. Let Sam tell you what's going on. Only that is big stakes. Are you really sure you wanted to go down this way, man? The other old buddy, Drew, is played, rather unlikely for a former Aussie schoolboy, by Wu-Tang Clan rapper Rizza. He shows up later. But first, let the poker game commence. Got the car? What do you want, the chips? Are you serious? Five million in chips. My gift. Billionaire Jake Foley drops leaden hints that this high-stakes game has a hidden agenda. It's going to reveal some unexpected truths, he says. Catch the irony? Poker's usually about bluffing, but this game will be about laying your cards on the table from the start. There needs to be a catalyst. And I don't have time to wait around for these guys to tell me the truth. Cheers, lads. Now, you think that the multi-million dollar game, the backstories of all Jake's mates and any revelations they may feel like sharing would be enough for any minor thriller. Raise 175. All in. Jake goes all in. That's just sick. I'm not surprised, Alex. I poisoned you. But either Russell Crowe or original writer Stephen M. Coates felt that Pokerface needed a wee bit more. So just as the four or five old buddies start sharing confidences and, incidentally, wondering whether they'll get to share in Jake Foley's astonishing riches, there's a sudden change of plan. I hope this is another one of your surprises, Jake. I don't know where we are. Let's go. OK, we got the guns. Nobody's home. Check around. They're hiding somewhere. The party is crashed by three middle-aged villains led by the grey-bearded Victor. Victor has nothing to do with the poker game. He's broken in to steal Jake's priceless collection of art. Did I mention that, aside from his gambling skills and amazing wealth, Jake's also a leading art connoisseur? Hello, Jake. We aren't going to hurt anyone. We're just going to take the art. In other words, like so many other film stars who direct themselves, Rusty has succumbed to the what-a-guy temptation. Even trapped in a small room by Victor and his heavily armed gang, a glance at the camera tips us off that it's just a matter of time before Jake busts loose. What a guy. The painting is at Cezanne. How much? It was never my intention to deliberately betray anyone. Well, that changes things, doesn't it, Jake? Right, plans change. Give me the gun. 
But then Russell the action star and Russell the action movie director are suddenly sideswiped by Russell the screenplay writer. Realising that Pokerface is a little middle-aged bloke heavy, the cast looks like they're all Crow's own drinking buddies. Suddenly, a feisty daughter and a kickboxing wife arrive on the scene. Once again, nothing to do with poker. I know you're still here, Jake. Dad? What's she doing here? Hello! There's six of us and three of them. We can take them. And from now on, all bets are off. There's certainly plenty of action, not to mention several happy endings, but frankly, not a lot of sense. And by the end of the film, Russell Crowe's deadpan poker face will be shared by most of the audience. As so many other gamblers have said over similarly unconnected cards, read them and weep. Life's just a game, right? Maximise your wins. Minimise your losses. Stay in the game as long as you can. Bones and All was directed by Italian master Luca Guadagnino, who made his name with three very different films, the chilly family saga I Am Love, the likeable coming-of-age film Call Me By Your Name, and the full-blooded Italian horror Suspiria. Bones and All is clearly Luca wearing the last hat. But you can't spend the night... Not all night. So where'd you move here from anyway? Eastern Shore. Try that. Well, there's no point beating about the bush. This film is about cannibalism. Not the real thing, but imagining that it's a disability shared by a small minority of people. People like teenager Marin, who succumbs at a friend's sleepover. She rushes home when Dad, her sole parent, once again packs up and they're forced to leave. You didn't. In the car in three minutes. Whatever you can take in three minutes. Go! But this time, Dad has reached the end of his tether. That night, he leaves Marin some money and hightails it out of her life. He also leaves a cassette tape telling her that her mother may still be alive. I can't help you anymore. I know it's not your fault. You were born this way. You ate them. I believed you had to. I don't know why. Did Marin inherit the cannibal gene from her mother? And if she's alive, where is she? Marin takes off to find her, a journey that takes her across the red state heartland of America, Maryland, Ohio, Indiana, Nebraska. And along the way, she meets another eater, the painfully thin Lee. I smelt you. I didn't know I could do that. I thought I was the only one. I don't want to hurt anybody. Famous last words. I say painfully thin, but on Timothy Chalamet it looks good. Right now, after a string of well-chosen titles, including the smarter-than-most blockbuster Dune, Chalamet is pretty much the biggest young star in movies. Though, as Brad Pitt and Johnny Depp did before him, he's made his name in essentially support roles like this. Are there lots of us? I don't actually meet many others. Why'd you offer to bring me along? You seem nice. I am nice. 
Actual star Taylor Russell has the hardest job in Bones and All. After the alarming opening scene, she has to make us fall in love with Marin despite, well, despite everything. And while we've been softened up by, you'd think, equally challenging vampire and werewolf movies, cannibals remain one step beyond. What about afterward? What'd you feel about it? What'd you think? I don't remember after. This bullshit. Hey, I'm just gonna tell you what you want to hear. You ask me a question, I gotta answer it. It's the uncanny valley phenomenon. They're like us, but not at all like us. And to underline that fact, before Marin met Lee, she'd met an older version. Sully, played by an increasingly disturbing Mark Rylance. I came looking for you. I smelled you. And you can smell me half a mile away. Can you do that? Not that far. I got rules. Never, never, ever eat an eater. It seems eaters have the ability to find each other through their heightened sense of smell. This is good when it involves finding likeable fellow travellers like Lee, and less good when it means just about everyone else she meets along the way. I thought you might be hungry. For hens? No. Who lives here? Is there someone dead up there? Lee offers Marin a lift to help find her mother and the cross-country road trip, predictably, brings two lonely people together, though they start to realise that their lives will become more and more dictated by their condition. Not going to be like that. We don't have many options. Either you eat, you off yourself, or you lock yourself up in there. We're dangerous. One of us. Why is it so many horror classics are written by women, going right back to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Camille DeAngelis's original novel was clearly an allegory about discovering and accepting who you are. No wonder it's proved so popular among young people. And like the movie and now TV series Let the Right One In, which Bones and All often resembles, it offers permission to embrace your dark side. You don't think I'm a bad person. It could also be seen as an excuse for any sort of antisocial behaviour, of course. The fact that Bones and All isn't that is down to a sensitive script and direction, but most of all the star performances of Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. We come to accept Marin and Lee as much for what they're not as what they are. It's too much. You gotta do this. We have to do it. You've been following me. We got unfinished business. In a way, it's a monster hunt from the point of view of two of the monsters, like many of the great horror stories, including Frankenstein. And despite the apparently bloodthirsty premise, Bones and All is a great one too, possibly Luca Guadagnino's best to date. But obviously, if you'll excuse the expression, not for all tastes. And on that careful warning of buyer beware, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.